And so we cannot live oblivious to reality. We cannot put our heads in the sand. We need to acknowledge the truth in God's word and respond to God in such a way that we fulfill the conditions the Bible puts forth for our own blessing or for our own good. That's why it is so important to examine ourselves. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. As part of today's sharing, we'll be looking at the need for self-examination. We can never take anything for granted and think that everything is fine. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to point out the things that need to continue changing in our lives. We can never be complacent, for in doing so, we may be following down a dark path that may lead us to a point of no return. We must learn to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit by allowing ourselves to spend time in self-reflection and self-examination to make sure through His guidance that we are in fact pleasing God. Today's message is based on the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's listen to what God's Word has to say about this. Let us seek the Lord in prayer together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are worthy to be praised and you are worthy to be exalted. For there is no one like you, O Lord. No one can do the things that you can, Lord God, Heavenly Father. Blessing and honor and glory be to you. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your salvation, for your mercy, and for your grace through Him. Thank you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, that we have the answer to life itself through Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may help us, O Lord, to understand, to take in, to meditate in your word, that your word may fulfill the work that you want it to do in each of our lives. Glorify your name in everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the word of the Lord. This will be the third time I am coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. I have told you before and foretell as if I were present the second time. And now being absent, I write to those who have sinned before and to all the rest that if I come again, I will not spare. Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. For though he was crucified in weakness... Yet we lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do no evil. Not that we should appear approved but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong. And this also we pray, that you may be made complete. Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, according to the authority which the Lord has given me, for edification and not for destruction. Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The church in Corinth had major problems. There was much sin and disorder in the church. There was fornication, which is having sex without being married. I find it interesting that it is necessary to explain the word fornication to some people because many struggle with this concept. Many believers excuse this sin because they think it is okay to have sex before marriage since they have convinced themselves that it is acceptable to do this within a monogamous relationship. But according to the Word of God, fornication is defined as having sex outside of the marriage, and it does not differentiate between being in a monogamous relationship versus having sex with different people. Fornication is fornication, and it is sin before the eyes of the Lord. Now, there was also adultery in the church. There was idolatry. There was sexual deviance, such as homosexuality and similar practices. There were thieves and greedy people and even extortioners. They had corrupted themselves to the point that there were members of the church that both the father and the son were sleeping with the same woman. And what was just as bad was that the church was not doing anything about it. Everyone knew what was happening, yet no one would do anything because unfortunately, the church leadership had also become corrupt. Come to think about it, the church in Corinth looked a lot like today's universal church. And I hope none of you are thinking that this is okay and just to let people do whatever they want because that is not what God had envisioned for us neither as a group nor individually. We need to think about the basics here, that Jesus Christ came to die on this earth so we could be saved from and forgiven for our sins. Not so we can continue living in sin in the very things that brings about our eternal perdition. Because then, what would be the point? Yet this kind of behavior is seen in all kinds of different churches everywhere. And this is one of the main reasons why many unbelievers stay away from churches. Because they don't see any difference between the world and us. And because, quite frankly, they would rather deal with the evil they know than with the evil that is unknown to them. Even as a Christian myself, If I were to put myself in an unbeliever's shoes, if you will, seeing what I see today in the church in general, I would be quite hesitant at best to visit any church. I can't blame people for their mistrust or fear of going to a church. It's a pretty bad view. And one of the worst things that many people see is that they feel that church leadership will just take advantage of them, that pastors and ministers and preachers are in it for the money. And I'm afraid to say that many of them are not wrong, especially if we compare the example we have in Jesus Christ and the apostles to the way so-called church leadership lives today. It's a night and day comparison. Let's face it, Jesus was poor. And some preachers today have private jets and or luxury vehicles and fancy big houses and mansions. And some pastors or ministers feel justified in their lifestyle because they compare themselves to the mega-rich ones and they feel that they are not living a life of excess. I really hate to say this, but as a group, we are in terrible shape and we are the reason for why the world is in the state it is. Jesus' purpose was for us to work at changing the world through the gospel and not for us to become like the world or become even worse than the world because the world within itself does not know the truth of God. But we that have been exposed to God's truth are liable and responsible for that truth. 
And don't let those same people that live off of the efforts of others, those folks that are taking advantage of people that also sound so nice and encouraging with their positive messages, if you will, tell you different. The word of God is very clear in that we as Christians need to live transformed lives. And here is where we will dive into the personal. Just for a moment, forget about everyone around you and concentrate on yourself. Take a few minutes and examine yourself. Just like Paul exhorted in today's passage, as it is written, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. This is a very strong and very clear indication of many things. You should keep in mind that Paul wrote this letter to so-called believers in Christ and not to people outside in the world. Why would Paul tell people to examine themselves to see whether they are in the faith and to even test themselves? And the answer is that it is very easy to lose focus and to go down a dangerous path if you are not careful and not paying attention. You might think everything is fine, but yet before the eyes of Almighty God, you may be in a very bad position. You may be in such a bad position that you may be far away from inheriting the kingdom of God, and you may not even realize it. Look at what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7, where it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, that would be a terrible surprise, right? That a person may feel that Jesus is going to welcome them in with open arms, but instead he says that he doesn't know you and for you to go away. And look at what people are saying that they did in his name, that they had prophesied or preached in his name, and that they had cast out demons in his name, and that they even did wonders in his name. And yet, none of those actions get them into heaven. Now, what do you think will happen with people that don't even do anything for the Lord and lead a lifestyle of sin or are completely self-centered individuals? Do you think Jesus is going to welcome them in with arms wide open? And we have to go to his word to get that answer because our own opinions cannot overcome the truth of God. In Paul's first letter to these Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we can read the following. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. In Galatians chapter 5, it also says the following. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that in both instances, there is a reference to inheriting the kingdom of God. The only ones that can inherit are the children. So in both instances, so-called believers are being spoken to and not unbelievers. That's why in one of the passages, he says not to be deceived. Don't let anyone deceive you and tell you that you are saved and that you have nothing to worry about, that nothing will happen to you. If you choose to live a lifestyle of sin, 
something can go very wrong in the end. The fact is that we do have to be concerned with our salvation and that there is nothing to worry about is not true. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is one of the greatest lies that has been proliferated in many churches for many, many years now, that you don't need to worry about anything, to just live your life however you want, that God loves you and accepts you just as you are, and that you are saved no matter what. The Bible is very clear in that a sinful lifestyle will not be tolerated by a holy God. God is love, but He is also holy, and His desire is for us to be changed, transformed, and to become holy as well. Not to become hypocrites, but rather to live out a genuine transformation in Christ. That is what God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and His Word will guide you towards. That is His will and good pleasure. Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so, if you are living in the Spirit, then you will reap everlasting life. But if you are living for the flesh, you will reap corruption. It is impossible to reap eternal life from corruption. There is a very well-known preacher or teacher or motivational speaker, whatever he wants to call himself, that teaches that repentance is not necessary for salvation. That you just need to believe in Jesus and that's it. And that, my friends, is a lie from Satan himself. Such a so-called gospel will send you straight to hell if you follow it. Because the word itself says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can we ever be forgiven for our sins if we never confess them before the Lord? And without repentance and conversion, there is no salvation, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For the word also says this in the book of Acts chapter 3, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We need to remember that the scriptures are fulfilled based on the way you respond to them. For instance, if we take that same passage that we just read, it says that our sins will be blotted out if we repent and convert to Christ. So times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. But the opposite is also true. That if there is no repentance and conversion, then there is no forgiveness of sins, no blotting or erasing out of sins. And for, of course, there is no refreshing from the presence of the Lord. See how that works? Make no mistake. In one way or another, God's word will be fulfilled in our lives for good or for evil, depending on what we decide to do with it in our lives. And so we cannot live oblivious to reality. We cannot put our heads in the sand. We need to acknowledge the truth in God's word and respond to God in such a way that we fulfill the conditions the Bible puts forth for our own blessing or for our own good. That's why it is so important to examine ourselves. We need to test ourselves. We need to seek to understand what is it that we are doing and why we are doing them. Now let's look back at today's key passage again and look through the following concepts. How do we understand that we need to continue changing, that we cannot just wallow in our sins? Verse 7 exhorts us to do no evil, 
that we should do what is honorable. Honorable before who? Other people? Ourselves? Who is the one that decides what happens to us in eternity? Is it other people that decide what's happened? Does our eternal security rely on angels or on our own opinions? Absolutely not. The only one that can decide what happens with us is God Almighty Himself. And so we need to do what is honorable before God. And friends, He sees everything and knows even our deepest and darkest thoughts. Everything is quite clear before His holy eyes. In Jeremiah chapter 17 it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Paul continued declaring in verse 7 that he prayed for these Corinthians so they could be made complete. What does being made complete mean? That we're going to be perfect? No. But what it does mean is that we are pursuing perfection through Jesus Christ and that we are endeavoring to learn how to be like our master, starting with the most important principle by learning to love the Lord. Paul continued expressing that he is using his authority for edification and not for destruction. That if he is curt, direct, and honest, revealing God's truth without any hindrances, it's because he wants for the readers to continue growing and becoming stronger, being built up in the Lord. That implies that a process needs to take place, something that is far from stagnation and complacency. In verse 11, he reiterates again that they should be complete. How do you become complete or imperfect? The only way that this happens is through the word of God, by exposing yourself to the word, by learning the word and by living it, by applying it daily through the inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit. This is what the word of God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17, where it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, the only way we can become or be made complete or perfect is through the scriptures. God's instruction, his wisdom, his knowledge is what will help us continue to change once we have made him the Lord of our lives through faith in Christ. The Bible affirms this also, where Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Our faith only grows in our lives through the word of God, by believing what he says. Jesus himself also said that we cannot be hearers alone of the word, but that we must be doers of the word. We must do God's will in our lives. There is no other way around it. Romans chapter 2 verse 13 says, For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. James chapter 1 also says this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Do you see how it all works? Do you understand that we need to live out God's word in our lives? That we need to be doers? 
James chapter 2 also says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. And so it is quite clear in the word of God that something needs to happen in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the regeneration of our lives, through the word of God. We cannot just stay the way we are, and we most certainly cannot dwell in those things that cause us and others harm. We cannot dwell in sin, in the things of the world, ultimately in the things that can bring about our own spiritual demise. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why are we urged to walk in the Spirit and not to fulfill the lust of the flesh? So we don't continue doing those things that perpetuate death. Because if we continue living in sin, if we maintain a lifestyle of disobedience, then as the word stated before, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I cannot stress this enough. Do not listen to the lies and false messages that are preached in the mainstream. The Bible warned us that there would be doctrines of demons during these end times. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. That is what is being proclaimed today in many different places, in many so-called Christian churches, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, people that are proclaiming as truth what Satan wants you to hear, individuals that have their own conscience seared with a hot iron, meaning that they are completely disconnected from every kind of sensitivity or affinity to God's truth. They have strayed so far away from God and into the darkness of sin that they even though they consider themselves servants of God, they are incapable of having any kind of natural sensitivity to God's word and to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And they dedicate themselves to make everyone else just as lost as they are. That's what we need to be so careful we cannot listen to things that cater to the sin that still dwells within us. We need to stay away from teachings that feed our flesh and lift up our egos and puts us in a place of lordship. We cannot be complacent with sin in our lives. Why is this all so important? Simple. This is what the word of God says very clearly in the New Testament because many people fall into the falsehood that the Old Testament does not apply or is relevant anymore. Hebrews chapter 10 declares this to so-called believers that wish to follow their sin's desire. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Can there be any confusion after being exposed to this truth? I think not. The Lord will judge his people. There is no way around it. 
God is not just going to stand idly by and let his so-called people do whatever they want. He will give an opportunity for repentance. But once that opportunity is exhausted and he decides for the time to be fulfilled, there is no turning back after that. This is not a scare tactic. This is God's truth. Nothing more and nothing less. Why ultimately talk about this? Because God's desire is that whoever is listening may come to truly experience a real and genuine relationship with the Lord to come to learn how to love the Lord and their neighbor so that eternal life can actually be waiting for them. Our desire in Christ, similar to Paul and all those great people that loved the Lord before us, is for everyone to come to have eternal life and to attain the rewards that come about by glorifying God in our lives. God wants you to have the life that can only be found through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came to this earth and he lived through everything he did so that we could have access to God the Father and to the great things he desires for those that love him. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And... I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. God wants to give each and every person eternal life and eternal rewards. But to be able to receive those things, we must understand for our own good, what is it that we are really doing with our lives? We need to examine our lives as objectively as possible and let God's truth reign in our lives. Self-examination is essential to every follower of Jesus Christ. We should never assume anything. We should always prayerfully seek the Lord and ask Him to speak to us to help us understand where we truly are before Him and how He sees what we do through His eyes. We need to be open and sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and to the direction of the Word of God. We ultimately need to let ourselves be led by the Lord. There's just too much at stake to just wander around life thinking that everything's going to be okay or that things will get resolved all on their own somehow or even worse, allow for our unfounded and opinionated beliefs to be a substitute for godly truth. God's truth is the truth. And it is irrefutable and unchangeable. And it will stand as the truth today and forever. Despite everything we see today, God is God and He is above everything. And when everything we see goes away someday and we all stand before Him, He will continue being immovable in His position. He will be God then also. And after all judgment and accounting is over, and Satan and his demons and all that have followed their footsteps is cast into the lake of eternal fire, God will still be God, as the Almighty He is, the one that reigns forever and ever, together with the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be all glory and power and praise forever and ever. Amen. This is why we must strive through Jesus Christ to be found acceptable before His eyes, because in the end, His opinion is all that matters now and will matter forever and ever. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessed and good God, I give you thanks, O Lord, for your love and for your mercy. I give you thanks for your truth. 
because your truth is the only thing that will set us free. Lies and deceit will only get us so far, but your truth, your word, is what gives us eternal life. Heavenly Father, Lord God, help us to be sensitive to you. Help us, O Lord, to ask through the promptings of the Holy Spirit that you may reveal to us those things that need to change in our lives, in our hearts. Forgive us our sins, Heavenly Father. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be sensitive to you, to not just go about what we think, but, Lord, to be able to see things through your eyes and to be able to see clearly those things that need to change, that we need to be transformed, Lord God, and to be molded into your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be sensitive to you. Help us, O Lord. Please forgive us, O Lord, for we have surely sinned against you. Heavenly Father, I pray for your mercy and for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer or someone to talk to, please email us through our website. We would love to help. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.